the Summit in San Antonio, Texas, the Corps presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Marjorie Adam and Ben Wilson. Today's topic, five systems to wow your clients for realtors. Thank you guys so much for coming. I'm sorry I'm losing my voice. I started losing it this morning. I'm very appreciative I still have it. Um, but thank you guys so much for coming. I'm super excited to get to teach with Ben Wilson. Obviously, I'm coaching on Coaching the Coaches Call with him. He has such a dialed-in business, such a dialed-in team. His processes are so set, and he's such a strong coach because he's so clear on how everything has to go. So I found out I got to teach with Ben. I was like, sweet, because he is like me. I'm a system junkie. So I'm so excited to get to teach with you. Ben's going to talk a little bit about his business. So I'm Marjorie Adam. I've been a coach since 2014. Um, I have a smaller team, right? So it's also my bigger team, smaller team, and how we implement our systems. So I have four people in me, and I have mostly salaried employees, right? I don't really have buyer's agency. We won't get into that here. But we run our teams a little differently, but what we're super clear on, so if you look at this title, it's five systems to wow your clients. And we've broken down five very specific parts of the transaction. Ben's going to get into that to really make it so that you can make it through what I think can be a little bit more challenging parts of a transaction and really stand out, right? So I'm going to let Ben introduce himself. He's going to say a little bit, and then I'll come back. Thanks, Marjorie. I, I actually get really excited. I met Marjorie years and years ago, and we actually got to know each other, believe it or not, on a Friday night right before we had a big music and band and everything come in, and we got to spend some time actually on the dance floor was the first time I got to really, really get to know Marjorie because prior to that, she had her group of people and I kind of had my group of people, which isn't always the right thing to do, but that's the way it was. And we got to know each other and I absolutely fell in love with her. I fell in love with her business. I fell in love with her spirit. I fell in love with how much she desires to coach you all and how much she loves to be a part of the core. One of the things that's beautiful about Marjorie is that you, what you see is what you get. And let me just tell you, in life, when you find people and you have an opportunity to be engaged with people, that what you see is what you get, that's a special thing. Because we live most of our lives with people that are kind of still faking it till they make it, right? And that's just not really cool. So when you can get an opportunity to pull back the layers and spend somebody, or spend time with people who are just beautiful people, who love their spouse, who love their kids, who accept spouse, kids, friends for exactly who they are, that's a special thing, and that's exactly who Marjorie is. So today we're going to have a chance to really dive in to what's the most important thing, and that is how we create a phenomenal wow experience for every one of our clients. So when we look at taking a wow experience and putting it at a play for every one of our clients, we have to think about a couple of things, right? And the one thing that's above all else is creating value in everything that we do, Right? Because I learned a long time ago that the money, that the profit will always follow value. Now, if you want to write something down, if you want to take hold of something, remember that money and profit will always follow value. It's never the flip. It's never the opposite. And so for you all today, we're going to break down four areas of the transaction, four areas of the sales process for you, or excuse me, five areas of the sales process as we move along. But prior to me sharing with you all what those five areas are going to be, let me tell you just a little bit about it. Like she said, I had a little bit bigger team. 
And her team and her size and the way that she runs her business, believe it or not, fundamentally and the foundations and the processes are very similar. I just have more pods, more Marjories. That's the only difference. The system in itself is all the same. And so my team, I have a total of 16 members on my team, right? And what it works out to be is I have eight producers, eight producers and eight support staff, right? One to one ratio is what you get with us, all right? Our production, you can see all of our numbers. We can share all kinds of propaganda, but it's all posted out there. If you want to find out what those numbers look like, I promise we do sell, we do close business, and we are profitable. And the biggest reason that we're profitable is because I walk in every Monday and I spend 15 minutes with my staff, 15 minutes with my staff, and when they start their morning meeting, we talk about something, and Rick has been on us as coaches to be crystal clear. We're on how we're going to continue to improve our client experience. And in one word, what is that? That is catering. And when we cater to people, guess what happens? They're wowed. They are wowed. And for us, all of us, whether you have a big team or a small team, let me be clear that our number one clients, first and foremost, have to be our team. So today what we're going to do is we're going to break it down into five sections. The first section is what we're going to call the standout. That's the intake. That's the initial contact with the client. We're going to break down a few very key golden nuggets for you guys on how we're going to wow those people when we initially get them. The second step is we're going to walk you through the showing process. Marjorie is a master when it comes to showing houses. And let me just tell you, there is an art to showing a house. There is a process to showing a house. There are great opportunities through that process from beginning to end on how to create tremendous value and wowing that client when they complete your tour and your showing of houses. The third thing is we're going to share with you how you wow them through gifting. There has to be a clear program. There has to be a clear process on how we gift one another. I have an assistant who is a phenomenal gifter. I love to give gifts. She loves to execute the giving of gifts. But there's a process there. And let me just tell you, when you honor someone, whether big or small, whether just completely flamboyant and off the charts or just very down and personable, right, it makes a difference and it blows their mind. The fourth thing, we're going to show you how to actually wow your clients through the inspection process. What a terrible concept to wow someone through the inspection process. Let me just tell you, when you wow someone through the inspection process, you've done something and you've made a mark. I can guarantee you that. And then the final thing is, is we're going to take those last five days up until closing, and we're going to walk you through how you blow their minds as you get them to the closing table. So that way, when you get them to the closing table... There's no fear, there's no stress, and they're in a position to do what? Actually refer you clients and enjoy this beautiful new home that you've helped be a part of with them. Guys, I am really, really excited to be able to walk through this class, not for just the simple fact that I get to teach with Marjorie or that I get to be in a room with just wonderful people, but because I believe personally that if you focus on wowing and creating value for every one of your clients... You will never, ever, ever have to wake up on January 1st worrying about where your business that year is going to come from. And for me, 
I don't want to have to go out and feel as if I have to hunt every day and look through the woods and under every rock just to eat, right? I want to be able to wake up and go, I've got a bounty of food sitting in front of me. All I have to do is prepare it, right? Does that make sense? Makes sense. Margie, why don't you take us away on the intake? Okay, so before we get into the intake, I want to really stress the importance of WOW service. And I don't know about you guys, I can tell you my market this year has been just crazy. Things are falling apart for no reason. People are just changing their minds. It is super stressful. Not a lot of fun. And so I will tell you, adding these WOW service touch points do several things. One, they make you stand out. So we're competing with a lot of people. I will tell you right now, I compete with a discount broker more than anything. It is the commission cutter that is really my competition this year. And it's very hard to overcome that when you won't cut your commission. But really, if you think about all these things we're competing with, I have to offer better service. I have to offer a better experience because that's what they're going to pay for, right? you got to think about your service. you got to think about your experience and what does that look like for your clients, right? And it has to be a groundhog day experience. Does that make sense to you guys where you can't knock it out of the park for Mike? Right, but Cody has a terrible experience because your team doesn't have your systems dialed in. So we're going to talk about five super specific periods and parts of transactions, but I need you to be clear that your teams have to be dialed in on their systems. Those checklists have to happen every single time. Right, so we're going to add some wow things, which I think should be part of your business period, but you've got to make sure that everything else is running as it should, like Groundhog Day. Right, so it can't be just it happens once and it doesn't happen again because you don't have it as a system in your team, right? So the consistency to me is the key, right? And so let's get into this intake process. I think this is, well, clearly intake is the first chance you have to stand out, right? That first contact into your team, to me, can often be you winning or losing a client, right? And most people, it's like they kind of wing it. So I will tell you, you need to think about for someone calling into your team, what does that look like? So if someone calls into your office and they say they want to talk to me, because I'm still pretty much the, the front person, right? They want to talk to me about buying a home. They want to talk to me about selling a home. What does that team member do? And if you have multiple team members, do they all do the same thing? Right? So do you have an intake checklist? When that phone rings, does every single person that can answer your phone have an intake checklist of questions that are automatically asked? You guys have that? Good. Okay, about 50%. Right. So I think for those of you that don't have it, it's important that you get it. But it's also important that you train your team on them. So I'm super visual. I always bring them. Like, I make it easy. Seller first contact. Not really a question of when you use this. Yeah, I'll, I'll happily pass them around, certainly. Um, you guys can get them from the concierge as well. But we have a seller first contact and we have a buyer first contact. So if they're calling in to say they want to buy or sell a home, immediately – Four people can answer the phone on my team. They all have them on their desk. Wonderful. Thank you so much for calling us. And they start through the questionnaire, right? So think about when they call your competition. If people are calling three people, does that other person just say, oh, sure, I'll get them to call you back or whatever it may be, right? So what's that first contact? So what's the questionnaire, right? What are the questions that are asked? And some of them, you know, some of them are simple, right? Where is your home located? That's great. We just sold a home near there. By the way, we might not have just sold a home near there, but that is always the second thing they say. What's their name, their spouse's name? What's their contact information? How do they prefer to be contacted? How did they hear about us, right? When do they want to meet with us? Are they meeting with other realtors, and who and when? So why do you think we ask that? 
Right. I want to be super prepared, number one. But if they're meeting with two discount brokers, I need to call them. Right? Because I'm not, I'm not going to do it for a percent like the guy I might be competing with. So if it's only commission based and if I can't convince them, right, by sending them videos and everything on my services, that might not be a meeting I need to go to. Right? I, I, I call them and if they say, look, we're just not going to pay full commission, I'm not going to waste my time. Now, I will tell you, those people that go in, step one, I am not paying, I am paying a percent, someone else will pay 1500 If they're saying, look, I'd like to negotiate commission a little bit, I can say, listen, I still want to meet with you because I'm going to tell you why I'm worth what you pay me. Right? This is what my team does. No one else will do this. I am worth every cent I charge, and I want to show that to you. But if your first, your first thing is I'm not going to pay, I'm not going to reduce. No, actually, they're all local. So Kendra and I talk about this all the time, the open door and purple bricks or open bricks or purple whatever. Um, all those, we don't have them yet. We just have our own little brokerage, our local boutiques that charge $1,500, $500, 1%, right? And so you get what you pay for. And I will never disparage anyone, but I'll make sure they know that, right? So think one, about this. One of the things that we have to be clear on is the value that we create. The moment that you're willing to give a $100 discount, you have lessened the value that you bring to the table. All right, so your team intake, they ask the questions, they set the appointment for me. So I don't get to control my schedule because whenever I touch it, I mess it up. Every time, if my schedule's a mess and I get mad, it was because I touched it. So they set the appointment for me. So that's step one. So what's the next step? So for us, the next step is they get a process video from me. They get a link to our guide to buying a home. We used to deliver a packet. Now I do it electronically unless... In the intake, no, we don't do email, we don't have a computer, like we're 97 years old, right? We, then I still have to deliver a packet. But otherwise, they're going to get a copy of our guide to selling. They're going to get a video, a link to videos. I have videos for each of my team members independently, what they do, who they are. So they might watch all of them, they might watch just mine on the process. But I really want them to get a really good feel of how we work. They have homework sheets that I like to get them to fill out before I go. They get all of this, right, upon that setting of the appointment. So that's the next step, which I don't think really anybody does. I will just tell you on the video piece, and, and can anybody share why it's important to send a video, and in this day and age, what the reasoning for sending that video is? Michael. That's right. That's right. And she touched on something very briefly, is that she's separating herself, Right. And you start to plant seeds through this because we do videos just like you do. And you start to plant seeds of the importance of the support of the team, right? Because it's so many times, guess what? How many times are people working with one agent and that agent is all things to them? They meet every need that they have, right? Whereas our teams, whether they're two or three or five or ten or whatever they look like, right? We have multiple people that are supporting that same client. But guess what? the exact same 3% commission, right? For sure. Well, that's a big part of it, but I will tell you that I think one of the struggles, sorry, one of the struggles is the handoff. And I introduce you to my team members before you even hire me. And so you understand, oh, Brittany does this, and you have a visual of them, right? This is Brittany, this is what Brittany does, this is Bethany, this is what Bethany does, oh, you show houses, but also connects to them. Oh, Jacques went to UVA, I went to UVA. Right, so Brittany's from North Carolina. I love, right, so they connect. They begin to connect with you, and they understand your team process. 
right? So they know it's not just me. So that's a huge part of it. And then 24 hours before the appointment, they get another video. And that video is me saying that I'm super excited to meet with them. If it's a buyer, video, I'm super visual. Like Kendra knows this, everyone knows this. Like you can see, I hope I'm visual. So I get a video and it shows them the front of my office and it shows them where they're going to park. And I really want them to feel comfortable. They're going to come to my office. The meeting will be an hour to an hour and a half long. Here's what I need you to bring with you. Here's what I need you to have prepared. I need your pre-approval letter. I need everything for us to have a successful meeting. And I look forward to meeting them. If it's a seller, I explain that I'm going to come to their home. I do not come with a price. I am there to interview them, and they are there to interview me. And this is about an hour, an hour and a half. And this is what we're going to accomplish. And that I look forward to meeting them. So I set the expectation of the meeting. Right, that's the last step before I go. So to me, that's a super concise process, right, for setting up an appointment. And that's before they ever meet with us. So I feel like if I'm trying to stand out or all of you are trying to stand out, all of that before work is before we've even sat down or met. So I'm proving that I'm going to spend the time, right, and that they're super important to us. So I think think about your intake or your team's intake process. Right, especially if you're competing. How do you stand out before I even really get to open my mouth in front of you? Absolutely. Right. Can I add one extra great, phenomenal touch point? When you have an appointment and that appointment's already established and set up, actually call the morning of and confirm it. Just simply call and confirm it. If you're a super small team and you don't have an RP1 that handles confirming your appointments, you call yourself. 8 o'clock between 8 and 8.30, simply call and confirm it. And so here's what that sound that call is going to sound like. Mr. and Ms. Smith, I know I'm planning on coming out to your house today at 4 o'clock. That appointment's going to be for about an hour. Are we still good for that? And they're going to say yes, right? And then you immediately come back and go, I am so excited. I have some great news for you, and I can't wait to share it with you. So I look forward to seeing you at 4 o'clock. See you soon. It's literally that simple. You got them excited. You got them bought in. And then when you sit down and meet with them, as you're intaking, as you're meeting and establishing a relationship with them, you say, look, we are very process driven to make sure that you have a wonderful client experience that's going to be catered to. Every client wants to be catered to, right? And when you simply call and confirm like a doctor's office, right, or your dentist, as much as I hate going to the dentist, when they call or they shoot me a text message to confirm, I appreciate it, right, in this fast, busy world. Those little small touch points make all the difference in the world in blowing your client's mind, for sure. So I want you guys to take a minute, and we're going to open up for questions in a second. But I want you at your table. I need you to really think about what is one thing that you really can do to add to that intake process with your team. Who's responsible for it? Right? And then you can share. But I really want to make sure we don't go from tactic to tactic to tactic. And you guys don't commit to, all right, I really need to tighten this up. This is who's going to help me if we have a team member that can help us. So if you take a second, I want you to jot that down. And then we'll open it up for questions. All right, bring it back in. Let's start over here at this table. What, what's one great idea that you all were able to come up with?
both of them. So what, what they shared, and because this is being videoed, I want to just go ahead and repeat that, is not only do they send out via email, they are also dropping off a hand or uh, the package, the intro package to your team and the expectation package of what that initial meeting is going to be like and what, what it's going to be like to work with them. I love it. So you hit it from both angles. Fantastic. How about back here? Fantastic. So actually delivering a follow-up video of the CMAs after the appointment, or are they doing it prior to? Afterwards. I love that. Very good. But right here. So you're doing most of this already, and you really feel like videos takes it to the next level. And if you were a client and you received an intro video to you and your team and a quick uh, expectation video, you would take it to the next level. Because keep in mind, that's what we're talking about here. Um, I got a uh, text message earlier this morning with one of my agents, and she had some kind of, I don't know, shawl or something like that, and it looked like a butterfly in the back, and she was walking down the hallway. And she says, I know you always tell me how to take the boring, consistent pieces of the business that creates greatness and how to make it fun. And she goes, I'm making it fun today. And I'm going to be a butterfly and I'm going to fly high. Right? That's pretty cool. But we, we, I'm, the point of that is, is that we have to take these fundamental, boring things in business and we have to execute at a high level because that's actually how we wow our clients is the consistency of doing all these small things over and over and over again. How about back here? So it's definitely, definitely we're hearing videos is important. How many of y'all right now are doing an intro video at the intake? So two, three, four, five, six, right? That's not a lot, right? Just adding that one thing, if you walk out of here and you add that one thing, client, relationship, trust, opportunity, takes it to the next level, for sure. Now, I do have a question. Do you just send your video through BombBomb? Do you send your video through a text message? Do you send it through email? How are you getting that video to them? So our videos are pre-recorded. We have someone come in and professionally um, record our videos. Um, that we use over and over, and it's through links. So basically, an email with here some links to some videos and to our about page on our website, and then they're also embedded on our website. Perfect. So they can click on a link or they can go on the website and actually individually watch the videos, which most people will do. They do. Yeah. They, we've found that as well, and we do, we do take it another level, and we send it via text message the day of again. After the confirmation, we send it the day of. Yes, So we'll say, so we'll link them to the about page on our website and the about page on our website has my video that talks about, I'm very, I'm not a very, I'm saying this as I'm holding 90 pieces of paper, but on my videos I found that it works much better me not being scripted because um, I come across too robotic. So we're all very natural and we just are in different places and we're just, the, the, the guy would ask us questions. It's a very natural so it's me talking about the whole process and then each team member. And some people watch all of them. Some people just watch the first one. And then it links them to basically, um, they can open up a book, which is our guide to selling, right? So they can just click through it right online. And then we can, I bring a hard copy with me as well when I go to the appointment. I will do this as well. 
we have, I just spent another two and a half hours with my entire team scripting out all these videos. And what we did is we went to my house. We had six different sites that we went to at our house and we had all the scripts and everything. We were able to just knock them all out. I have that complete outline that if any of you all want that, I will make sure that I get that to my concierge at the core and you all can have the core uh, send that out to you guys. How's that sound? Cool. In the back here, Jeremy, your table. So the cross training, making sure one of the things she touched on, she hit it really quick. She said that everyone on our team had that intake form, right, that intro form, that new lead form sitting on their desk. So no matter who took the call, it was already readily available. So they didn't have to ask them to call them back or they didn't have to fumble through anything. It's already there. So let me ask you this, Marjorie. How did you train them to go through that? Do you do that once a week? Did you do it once a month? How's that look? So my training, what I learned from being the worst hirer on planet Earth um, when I started hiring people was that my training was not sufficient. And so, for example, I have um, my assistants now for my listing managers come to a listing appointments with me, with me for the last year and a half. Um, so she comes to all my appointments. So my training with them is constant. So they answer the phone. Before they can answer the phone, we go through these processes and we role play. And so what we tend to all do, of course, when we role play is we make it real easy. Sure, right? We, so I role play not easy, right? So it's like, oh, I'm not sure I want to tell you that or, you know, especially with the questions I ask. So I want them to learn how to do it. And then we listen too. So if someone answers the phone and I know they're not asking this or that question, I won't go and let them, but I'll say, hey, let's, let's look at this. I notice you're not, I heard that you're not asking this. Why is that? Well, I wasn't really sure. Well, let's go back through that. So it's really kind of a constant, it's very important, sufficient training at the beginning. But then as I'm in the office, right, you don't go, what's wrong with you? But it's a constant tweaking of, or, quite honestly, one of my, I'll hear one of them and I'll say, wow, that's really good, right? Like they'll, they'll kind of put themselves in it and I'll say, all right, guys, I really like how she did that. So I want to kind of tweak it a little bit. So it's evolved a lot from where we started as people saying, hey, listen, I'm getting a lot of problems with this part of it. How do we fix that? So it's not just like six months ago we did it. We're talking about it all the time, what worked well and what's not working well. Jeremy. Probably about eight questions, and I'll share those forms with everyone. Um, but really, so if it's a listing, um, and they're going to start giving us the address, so great, Marjorie just sold a house near there. Hold on one second while I pull up her schedule. My schedule's already pulled up. What they're doing is going in MLS, right? So they're going to kind of get some quick history or whatever it is. And so they start then asking the questions. And so it's really not that long. You know, where are you thinking of moving to? When do you need to be there? Um, you know, specific times that might work for you to meet. So they have probably, I would say, on average, it's about eight questions, right? And then they can dig a little deeper. Now, some people, as you know, are just talkers. So, like, I'll hear people talk for, like, 20 minutes, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't even know what. And they're like, they bring me this long page because the people just, la, 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 la. and then some people, of course, it's like, the, 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 the. so it's like pushing. So they also know dig deeper, ask deeper and more questions if they'll talk to you. If they're really kind of shutting you down, here's what I absolutely have to have. Part of our training, we spend a lot of time. We just barely talked about training. Our company, we spend a lot of time on training and cross-training over and over again. But one of the biggest things that we talk about is being able to recognize very quickly over the phone, right? Are these, is this a person that's thinking with their head? Are they thinking with their heart or their gut? And depending upon what type of profile that person is, just very quickly, right, is going to dictate how much time you spend with them. 
someone that's thinking coming from their heart, they're going to want a little more time and a little more love in that conversation. Someone that's coming from the head, right? They're going to want just very quick bullet points. Get me down. I'll answer every question with a yes or no or a maybe, you know. And that person is thinking with the gut. They don't even want to waste your time. So there's a good chance you're going to get four or five of those eight questions knocked out, but the most important four or five, and you're going to say, hey, I'll get the rest of them when I get there, but you get the most important ones, right? But you have to recognize who your audience is very quickly, and it's also important to train your teams how to recognize your audience very quickly. Because if you get someone that's thinking from their gut, right, and you want to talk about how the backyards can look and how beautiful their landscaping can be and how nice the entryway is to their neighborhood, they are over you quick, fast, and in a hurry, right? They don't even want to meet with you at this point. Back here. This table. Videos for you guys. Fantastic. I think if you all walk away understanding the value of videos, you can see what Marjorie does on videos. I'll share my outline of all the videos that we do, specifically our intake video, and even be able to catalog. We have it cataloged now what that intro video looks like to give you all an idea. I know Kendra's had some in the past. She had very well done videos. I know Marjorie does, and there's several others that you can look to find what your good feel would be like. But that is a crucial piece of the puzzle to be able to make that connection super fast. Right up front here. Client testimonial. I like that. Yes, absolutely. So in that initial um, intro package or video or email that you send, share a few testimonials, right? They can be written testimonials, or if you've ha had the time and you've got the technology to do video techno uh, 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 video testimonials as well. What a beautiful thing. Holy cow, you're talking about connecting fast. And have one of a person who thinks with their head, have one of a person who thinks with their heart, and have one with a person who thinks with their gut. Just simply those three people. Yes. All right. Well, I want to check any questions before we have another question. Those people, whoever they get, have to have the check. So even if it's so, we don't have that. So it's just they call into my team. Um, but if so, I don't care if it's your receptionist, right? So that person, if they're answering the phone for you or a fuller person, they too have to be trained on the system. Because right, otherwise, they'll be like, the fan, you're going to have to three. Where am I going? I don't know. Right? Who are the sellers? I'm not sure. Like, uh, no. Same thing <laughs> every time. So for me, when I go out, for instance, on a listing appointment, as I finish up the listing appointment, I am crystal clear with them that by tomorrow at 12 o'clock, you're going to get an email, and it's going to break down Everything from interior, exterior, things that we need to knock out for them, okay? Pricing, and I'm going to let them know what my suggested list pricing is, along with what that range, high or low, that it might come in, depending upon what kind of market. The final thing, or the next thing, the next piece of the puzzle, right, is timing. We're going to talk, and in that email, I'm going to talk about how much timing we have in order to get on, on the market and what that looks like. And then the final piece is, guess what? It's another video. And it's followed up with another video saying, now we're ready to move forward, right? And now we're ready to move forward. A lot of times they're showing houses, and this is actually a great segue for her, for Marjorie, to share with you all on working with buyers, now establishing a WOW program, a WOW checklist, a WOW opportunity 
to blow their minds now that you've got them in the car with you? So I will, I'll just answer that as well in terms of if I go to a house and I'm competing and I say, and they say we need to talk to two other people, I definitely will probe them there and say, you know, what is it that I'm not, I will absolutely try to close. So what is it that I haven't answered for you? What is it that I haven't demonstrated that was, that was, oh, we just feel like we need to talk. When are you meeting with them? So I'm meeting with one Thursday at one and one Friday at two. Great. I'm going to set an appointment on Friday at four o'clock and I'm going to bring the listing agreement. Right. So I'm going to try to close that. If they say, oh, we're going to let you know, then I'm going to Friday afternoon call them and say, listen, are we ready to meet again? Because look, I can have a photographer there Tuesday. Right. So I'm always going to take it to the next step. So you're going to want to don't just let it dwindle out there. Forget you'll get there too. Oh, the, all of that's happened before. So all those intake videos were before I ever met with them. I usually just, I usually just try to set a four o'clock appointment on Friday. And they're terrible about canceling appointments once they set them. Right? So that's the best part is a lot of them will be like, how do we not meet with her? Like, you do meet with me. Okay, um, I have a question. I have two questions. One is, um, when you do intake, you give them homework and you say you want a pre-qualification letters. I feel like that's a little bit overwhelmed for the first meeting. Would, would I can't it, have a first meeting uh-huh. if I can't educate you in that first meeting. Right. If you're coming to talk to me about buying a house and you haven't been pre-approved, then I could be like, I like your shirt. Do you like my shirt? Right? Like, do you want to buy this year or next? I mean, there's no, there's no meeting. So I can't guide them. I can't do a wants and needs analysis. I can't advise them on any sort of where we go, when we meet. They're certainly not getting in the car. So if we're going to have a sit-down consultation, that is key. And I will move the consultation if they have not met with the lender. So it's a waste of my time. Well, don't you want to, like, refer? I, oh, no, that's part yeah. of it. Huh? Do you have a lender? That's on the question. Do you have a lender you're working with? No, we haven't met with a lender. Great. I'm going to send you my lender's info, and you are going to meet with them or at least get pre-approved with them before we sit down. You're going to bring that letter with you. I'm going to go over it with you. And the second question is, we have a team, and then sometimes um, when we have intake, um, we're not available to show the home, and we want to refer to another teammate that's available. How do you uh, hand it off, and, and, and what do you say to the client? So... In taking them and then saying it won't necessarily be me showing houses, well, that's how the team, that's how our team works too. I introduce them to those team members, right, so that's kind of getting into this, but they always meet with me. I explain to them that it could be me, not always me, that's showing them houses or it's going to be Bethany or Jacques. I bring Bethany or Jacques into the room and I say the importance of this is I have a very busy time block schedule and the house comes on the market tomorrow at 2, I'm not going to be available. One of them will be available. You go work with a different agent that only has one person, they're not going to be available. We're always going to be available. You're always going to end up with me. I'm the one that does the negotiation. And they go, okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. That actually brings up a really good point I I shared with you all earlier on, right? That profit and the dollar will always be followed by value. The four best ways to ever create value for any client, the four best ways in my opinion, and I believe everyone in this room will agree with me, Number one is your ability to negotiate, to negotiate at a high level. Number two, controlling their fear, right? Being the professional, being in control. Even the control freaks want to be and be led by someone who's strong, right? You have to have those things in place. Your ability to communicate, how you communicate. You think it's important to ask them how they like to be communicated with. 
if they like a call, if they like a text message, if they like to be emailed. Everybody's a little bit different, but that's super important when creating value. And then the fourth piece, and this is what you have to share, and this is where teams are phenomenal if you use them correctly, and that is experience. On my team, I have people who have construction backgrounds, and when it comes to an inspection, they are the best, right? They're better than I am. I have people who are good at certain things in the sales process, and they're better than I am, and I share and I build my team up in that. But you create those four areas at a high level for your clients, just that and alone is going to create so much value for you that when you get to that end of that program, I mean, of, of that sales cycle, right, they're going to do nothing but honor you by simply sending you business and rate, being a raving fan of yours, period. Okay. Are we ready to move on to showing? you have one more question? Do you give sellers a price at the listing, or do you, you give them a price after? If I'm not competing, yes. If I'm competing, no. Okay. That's a great point. That's a great point. At the listing appointment, guys, if you know you're competing, and you should know you're competing, you got to ask, 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 ask a lot of questions, right? You need to know that. Give them a price or at least give them a range, right? But if you know you're competing and you're not the last one to meet with them, do not give them a price. All right, so home showing. So I know people, a lot of people have teams and they don't show houses. I think that's a mistake, but that's how your team is run. I still show houses, not all the time, right? I would say 75% or 80% of the time it's not me. But regardless, whoever's showing houses on the team, there also has to be a process. That process does not look like, oh, my gosh, i got to go show house at 11 o'clock. I'm going to run out the door. I hope my lockbox key is actually charged. I don't really know where I'm going. I'll just Google map it. I'm just going to show up. I'm going to be on the phone the whole time. I'm at the showing, and then I'm out. Right? To me, that is not the process of showing. So when we have an, our intake and we have our first meeting, they fill out an all about you. And on the all about you, we ask them their favorite drinks, and we ask them their favorite snacks. Right? So if any of us, me or my two showing agents, so Jacques and Bethany, if anybody's getting in the car, if they're going to go show a house, they have to have a cooler in the car. The cooler will have at least water, right? If we're not 100% sure if they didn't answer, we're going to have water, we're going to have some snacks, we're going to have their favorite beverage. Okay, so that's pre-planning, right? So they're in the car. We want to be set for that. We've obviously done a wants and needs analysis before we ever put them in the car. So if they start sending us MLS listings and they said they had to have four bedrooms in a basement and there's three bedrooms and no basement, we don't get in the car. So I call them. And say, hey, listen, just want to check and make sure we're on the same page. We had this, right? So, Jeremy, we had this meeting, and you said you needed at least four bedrooms in a basement, and it couldn't be more than 20 minutes away. And these houses all have three bedrooms and no basement, and they're 45 minutes away. So something's not right. Are we adjusting our needs, right? Or are we just, we're not finding, right? You're just worried you're not finding something. Let's have that conversation because I'm not getting in the car and showing the house and wasting your time. Let's be clear. I'm not wasting my time. You don't tell them that. Say, I'm wasting your time. I don't waste your time. So let's be clear on what we're showing them. We want to have a cooler in the car. We have our MLS sheets. We print out customer full MLS sheets for them. And they get what we call our home showing checklist for the buyers that we give them. So anytime we go to a house with them, they have to fill these sheets out. Now, of course, I'm talking to them where the showing agent is, but it has the address. It has their likes and dislikes. It has how much would they pay for the house. 
It has them rating the house from a 1 to a 10, and then I make them name the house. And then naming the house is super important, because if they walk out and it's the stinky house, they're not buying the stinky house, right? So we go, and then we meet after the showing, and we go over these sheets, right? So what do they like? There's a lot of likes. We love the kitchen. We love the backyard. We love the master bedroom. We love the bathroom. I just don't like the carpet. Really? Right? So if there are lots of likes and one dislike, I can talk them and I can close them. My job is to close them. Right? I'm very visual, as you've told you before. If they don't like it, I go, sweet. We fold it. Move on. We don't talk about it anymore. Right? So you have to have a process, one, that's fun for them. Right? So I want them to have a drink. I want them to have a snack. I want to have fun. Like, I want to joke about the stinky house, right? I want to have something to relate to. So if we've gone to four houses, the purple house, the stinky house, the great kitchen house, right, and the faraway house, which house are they buying? Not the stinky house, right? So it really narrows them in. So on your showings, I want you to think about with your team, do they have drinks or snacks in the car that are their favorites that show I was paying attention when we were talking? Do you have a process, right, to actively engage them in the showings? Right? So we won't show houses if they're not signed up with us, right? If they're not going to work with us as a buyer agent, they're not getting in my car. But let's just say they're still, you know, they're committed, but they don't know us that well. I can assure you if anyone else showed them a house, there's no cooler with drinks. There is no name this house. There is no engagement on this is not meeting what you told me you wanted and needed. Right? So I want you to think about that too. So we're not going to, unfortunately, have time to go around the room every time because I want to get through, we need to get through all these systems. But I need you to think about that. Because I will tell you, if the buying process, is it fun, is it engaging, if they don't really see, wow, she's really paying attention, right? Now, they can change. They have permission. It's like, now we're okay with three bedrooms. Great, we'll adjust. It's not like you told me four. I will never take, nope, nope, not getting in the car, right? You have to adjust. You need to be clear. So are all of you and your teams super clear, right, in that home showing process? you super clear in that engagement process with them. There's other fun things. If there's kids in the car, right, I'll bring a little, like, iPad or a video player. And if I know they love Frozen, God forbid, that I have to hear that in the car. But I will play that in the car. We have team coloring books for them, right? So they can color on team coloring books of different kinds of houses. We have Bernstein Bear books. We'll engage those kids if we have to have kids in the car. Being super honest, obviously, I prefer not to. But if I've got them in the car... We're going to find out things that they like, engage the kids, right? Little snacks for the kids, always ask the parents' permission, right? Because everyone's allergic to, like, everything under the sun. So what can you bring for them, right? Are you engaging them in that way, right? Can you make this a bigger wow rather than, God, i got to show this house. Yeah, yeah, I'm texting an offer. Sorry, do you like it? Let's go. Right? Does that make sense to you guys? As you're going through the houses, once again, you're listening, Right? And if you've got, let's say, five houses set up to show, right, and out of those five houses, three of them have big backyards, and they go to the first house, and they talk about how awesome this house is, but it really doesn't hit home because their backyard's too big, and they don't want to mow that much yard. They don't want to deal with that. At the same time, they don't want to pay 100 bucks every time they have it mowed either, right? And so they tell you that they want a small backyard. Well, you have to be listening enough and paying attention enough and also be professional enough to say, hey, guys, I had two other houses lined up that have huge backyards. I'm going to take those off once again, just like she shared with you. I'm going to take those off the list. Did you create value in their life? 
by eliminating two properties that you already know they're not going to like, right? Absolutely. That's a big thing. Another thing to listen for is when you walk in the house, things that they're super concerned about. Everybody has a different trigger point of things that they're concerned, needs, wants, desires, right? When you find something or you walk into a house that you know good and well is not the right house for them, even if they love it, right? But you know, for instance, that they do not, because they have bad knees, they do not want to go up and down stairs. But they love their area, right? But you go downstairs and you've got the utility room downstairs with the washer and dryer, and they're going to have to go down there every time. You have to eliminate those things, right? Every house, and I don't know, Marjorie, tell me how you do it, but every house, when you or before you walk out of that house, there should be a pros and cons discussion. Yes, so we, when they get in the car before we leave the house. So we've talked about it inside, and I'll help along, or the showing agents will too, right? They'll say, oh, well, I know you like, let's fill that out, right, as we go to the next home. I know you love the kitchen, let's talk about what else. I know you didn't love the color of the carpet, but I know Marjorie talks to you about every intake. I don't care about carpet, I don't care about flooring, I don't care about paint. Those are irrelevant things. Those are easily changeable and should not affect anyone's decision to purchase a home. Right, so we're going to kind of take that off, right? Or yes, we can think about a concession, but I don't want to sway them. People are very visually swayed, right? So I take that off the table at the first meeting, right? So that should not ever be a reason. I hate the paint color. Come on. Carpet, paint. Well, I said flooring, carpet, and paint, but really um, those are three things that to me are not decision-making. Those are the easiest things to change, right? So we can really quickly... If you know it's the right house, start eliminating. That's not a, that's not the big concern. It meets these, right? So my job is to funnel and close, funnel and close, right? And the clearer I can be, and I can show the fewest amount of houses. And I will tell you guys, when I hear people, oh, I show these first people like 20, uh, 20 houses, like you've got to be kidding. We might show eight total ever, right? Because we're very, this is your needs, this is your needs, we've shifted this need, that doesn't work, no, this is too far. Right, so we're really going to direct this process so we're not like little crazy chickens running around in a car. Right, so I need you guys to think about that in your showing processes. How can you or your team, number one, be more efficient and effective? And how can it be more fun? Right, is it coloring books? Right, is it a cooler in the car? Is it a better, fun, more fun way to engage with them as they're showing homes? I want you to really think about because it it's a huge part. Right, that home showing process, and you can really shorten it and get them under contract quicker if you're really paying attention during this time. One of the big systems that we put in place, and we did not discuss it very heavily, was the all about you form. When you go on a listing appointment or you have a buyer's consultation and you're not filling out that one all about you form, how are you going to know what their favorite snacks are? How are you going to know if they like Fiji water? opposed to just the Sam's wholesale water, right? How are you going to know? Because that could be the difference in that client literally falling in love and completely trusting you or just going, hey, it's just another deal, another situation, another showing, another house, whatever, right? You want to go and follow that simple process. But so many times we want to get through the process, right? And we're like, oh, we, we, we'll do that later, right? That intake that we talked about initially that all about you form allows us the opportunity to create beautiful celebration points with our clients all the way along the way with things that are important to them and not things that are important to us, right? All right, so any questions? I just want to make sure we have enough time. Yeah. 
Um, can you say one more time exactly what's in your packet that you give to the client when you're showing homes? Yeah, so the MLS sheet, the customer, I'm sorry, it's getting worse. The customer, <clears throat> full MLS sheet, because we can't give any of the, the um, agent information or the seller information. And then we have our home showing checklist. I don't know if one made it in the book, but I'm, I know the core has them. And so if I'm showing four houses, right, they'll have four sheets, they'll have that. There's a cooler in the car with their favorite beverages. If they have children, I will have videos, coloring books, something for them to engage the kids as well. So that's what we're going to take with us on those. Second question. Um, in our market, like, inventory is pretty low. So oftentimes you're just, like, blasting out to show one home on the lunch break that just hit the market, and we have to see it now. How do you show this extreme level of care when you're just showing one property on a quick lunch break? It's the same thing because if you have the sheets always ready to go, if your team knows this is how we do it, because the problem becomes if that's your market, you could end up showing them five houses one at a time, and you never incorporate the system. So in that case, maybe you don't have time to have their favorite beverage, but I can still have water. And I'll absolutely have snacks or I'll grab something from my office because if I know it's lunch, it means they're missing lunch. Right, so I'll go with a little bag, and I'll say, here's a couple waters, here's some snacks. I feed my team well, so I'll kind of root through the fridge. I'll put together a little, like, cheese and meat packet, and we'll say, here you go. I know we showed you this home during lunch. I brought you a little something, so when you go back to your office, I know you took your lunch hour. But you still want to, you still want to cater to them then. I, I love your style, by the way. You want to get it done. Funnel and close, right? With this changing market, though, right now, especially out west, um, the buyers are now starting to get a little bit more leverage. So you have a situation where you have a lot of homes that are going into rentals because they aren't getting the price. When you go out there on this buyer's packet, what do you do from a value standpoint? Do you let that be separate later? Because I don't like to waste their time and waste my time as well. Do you give them a pretty good assessment about the homes that you're looking at? That they've got their CMA, they've got the data, they've got. So, in other words, don't don't say you want to offer 850 oh, yeah. when the lowest they're going to go is 920. So, and their asking yeah. price right now is 950. So that's where it's like we've done all this. It's great, but now we're wasting a lot of time on this bigger gap on price. So that's part of your in- initial consult too. So you're meeting with me. We're going to look at buying a house. It is spring. Houses are selling in 24 to 48 hours, and they're selling at 100 percent plus of their asking price. So we need to go through and be really clear how this is going to work. If you find a house and you love it, 10 other people will too. We don't have time to offer way less. If I think it's overpriced and we can, of course, I'm going to guide you that way. But if we get in the car and it's lunchtime and it's go time, then not only are we talking about our price, but what's our escalation cost? Let's talk about what that looks like. Right? We need to make our best, strongest offer. I want you to have a letter in place that we can kind of try to engage that seller why they should pick you. We've met with your lender. We've got that pre-approval letter. It's go time. Right? Here's our contingencies that we're going to expect. I have them ready to go. So it's like you're going to offer this, 14-day home inspection, 30 this. Let's go. I'm going to get you the contract. It's communicated to right before you start the day. Yeah. Set the tone. Because if like you do day. it at the house, you look like a push salesperson. Right. If you do it at the consult, yeah. it is, this is how our market Here's, works. Got it. Perfect. Marjorie, um, if you have a showing partner, you know, actually showing the houses, do those showing partners hold that meeting after the showings, like going to a donut shop or a Starbucks, so they're the ones doing it? You're not. It depends. So if they say we want to buy it, uh-huh. and they're going to bring them back into the office. They'll bring them to me. They'll call me on the way. Understand, my area is pretty small, right? So it's like we're going to buy this house on this street. I've sold a house right next to it. I know the floor plan. He tells me there's a power line in the back where I'm concerned about this, right? I have all the data. 
So we're prepared to go over everything when they get there, and they can come back to the office. But if it's a one-off or two showings, nothing really works, they're having this. And even if we're still in front of the car, we'll download there. So we like this. We know this doesn't count. We're going to change this criteria. Great. Right? If it's not something we can close them on. Okay. So they're doing that download then. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I'm a lender, so this might be a silly question, but as I'm sharing this with my agent, I seem to be hearing in my market that they're not actually in the same car, that a lot of my agent partners are doing the follow me from house to house. Can you all just walk me through that, and does that change your process, or is it just market dependent? I think it's market dependent, but you can, I mean, not into, but for us, sometimes we'll meet them there, but it's still the same. I can know what your favorite drink is, and I can share it with you. I'm going to hand you the checklist, then I'm going to say, here you go. I don't know if you have time to print this, but here's the... Here's the customer full sheet. Here's that towing checklist I need you to fill out, right? And we'll walk through the car. So yeah. in, if you are not in the car. In, in our market, very rarely are they in the cars with us, but we do take all that with them. And at that initial house, we'll have the beverages, we'll have the snacks and things of that nature. But we'll also have a folder with that same information that we bring. We'll have a folder that we have for ourselves, and we'll have a folder for them of all the information that we hand to them at that very first house as well. Hey guys, for either of you, I want to give amazing service, but in my market it's so hot. So if somebody at church says I just got pre-approved for $140,000, I just want to faint because that can cost me $10,000 having them in the car for three days. So is there a price point where you just refer them to someone else? There is not. Ever. Most of my business and the way that we've built our business over the last 15 years, because of my first five years in the business of running and going a million miles an hour, most of our business is referred. So that helps that process some, but it doesn't matter if they come to me and they want to buy a $40,000 lot, that exists, right? Or they want to buy a $2 million house. We're going to go through that process and engage them top to bottom because here's what I believe Every one of those clients are seven to ten transactions long-term. And if I blow that $140,000 buyer out, let's rewind back to my first couple years in the business where I'm grinding just to sell double wides. That's the truth, right? And I'm excited about those $70,000 transactions. And we fast forward to the Clayton family who's now bought eight houses. I just added this number up the other day for over $3.5 million that they've spent with me. What if I didn't take the time out with that $70,000 buyer? But it's a mindset, right? If we're thinking about today, if we're thinking short term, yeah, I probably wouldn't want to work with that buyer, right? But if I think about big picture. Right. But I thought maybe it was bad business to do that at this point, but I understand that now. We're in the relationship business as a core, as a group. We want quality over quantity, right? Quantity sounds great. But as we all have seen, there's horror stories left and right with these people that go out and do tons of business. I have a guy in my market right now. He sells thousands and thousands of houses, and he doesn't make hardly any money. Matter of fact, I would strongly believe, and I haven't seen his tax returns, but he probably makes less or as much as most everybody in the room. And he just, I mean, works all hours. All I mean, has no loyalty. It's just transaction, transaction, transaction. For me, that just would never work. For renters, because I know renters will eventually buy, right? Because um, we have a lot of people that is, you know, translate from San Francisco, coming to Seattle for jobs, and then they don't know where they want to live yet. 
And then they're pretty high, high price point, like $800, $2 million um, homes that they're renting, and they could afford it. How do you, because we don't want to deal with renters. I mean, it's a lot of time. So how do you convert, what do you say to those renters, and how do you convert them later? To renters? Yeah, to a buyer you know, later. Yeah, to, a, to create a future buyer. Um, I'll let you start and let me finish, because I do have a process around this. So correct. It really depends on how long they're going to be here, how long do they plan to rent, what are they looking for. Because in our area, rentals, you get paid $100. So we have people that will say, I'm going to rent for three years and I'm leaving the area. I refer them. Right? So we have a rental division within the company. And it's really also going to be time dependent. So, hey, we need to rent for six months before we purchase. We're all over that. So I think that's also the full conversation that we have with them, what their needs are, getting a little more information about them. And then a team member can help them, especially if they're going to transition into a buyer. But I want to be clear on, right, if they say, look, I'm moving here for two years, I'm going to rent and leave the area, then I'm going to refer them to property management. So understanding what that next step is, what their intentions are in their time frame, if I can get them into the office and really be clear on that, I'd probably still have a team member help them. Um, but again, making sure I am really understanding what that is. In our area, if you're going to rent something, you have about two homes in 10 minutes to find it. So really, quite frankly, in terms of like money versus time, if they're going to buy in six months to a year, and they have to show them one rental, and they're going to make 100 or 150 bucks, and it's going to take us two hours, and I can stay on top of them because we have good follow, and they'll buy a house next year, it's worth it. Right, so I don't have, it's not like we have 7,000 rentals that we can show them, and 16 weeks later, Right, they'd rent something. That I'm not going to do. So for us, just to make it simple, because I don't want to dive into this, but it is a wow factor, right? So when a renter comes in, we go through a very strict questionnaire checklist with them on what they're looking for, how long they're planning on renting, what their intentions are, what's the job situation, is it short-term, long-term? I mean, very intentional. Based upon that, just like Marjorie said, we're going to dictate, right, whether our team goes out and shows them the house or whether we just refer it to an agent, a leasing agent that's in our market. But if it is somebody that we know can be long-term, immediately we're going to jump on them like that $140,000 buyer, like that $70,000 double wide buyer. You know, we're going to jump all over it. Just going backwards to the idea that um, you're not always in the car with your client. Right? Sometimes they're in separate cars. It feels to me that it could be an opportunity lost to build rapport as you drive from house to house. Do you see it that way? And if you were training someone to be under you as an agent, would you train them to actually push for that? Like get them in your car that we can build rapport? Or do you not see it as an issue? So we have trained all of our agents to build rapport in the house. All the way down to the point that when we find that right house, when they know and they're filling that house... We have trained them to go sit down on the couch in that house and open up dialogue to build rapport. Because the four steps of the sales process, initial contact, right, which we have, and then build rapport. Because if you don't build rapport, trust, or anything like that, then you're never going to get to the closing table. You're just not going to get to the closing table. So the way that we train is we train to build rapport with those opportunities as they're walking through and going through the house as opposed to in the car. How about you, Marjorie? Yeah, I mean, obviously the ideal is to get them in. But the thing is, if they have one hour over lunch and they're 20 minutes up the road, it's impossible for them to be at the house. So if I can, 
meeting them at the office. If it's multiple homes, it's generally pretty easy. But if it's that lunchtime when the house just came on the market, it's virtually impossible. You've wasted all your time. I don't mean wasted because it'd be valuable. There's not enough time to make that happen. In terms of like safety or no, so we consult them all in the, oh, I, that's a good question. I'll answer it, which may be what you're looking for or not. So we meet them all in the office first. So I've met them. I feel comfortable with them. If a buyer ever calls my office, and it's, it's no offense, but I'll totally pick on you. So if it's Mike and I haven't met Mike, I do not send Bethany. I will not go. Or Bethany goes with Jacques or Jacques comes with me. Right. I will, I will tell you that we've never had an experience. So therefore either. I don't have a concern or. Um, or anything like that in regards to that. Our bigger concern was more, I have three women who are buyer's agents and showing agents for us, right? Or actually, I take that back, I have four. And I just don't want to ever put them in an uncomfortable circumstance when they're showing houses late at night or anything like that. So I actually have a strict policy with the women that they do not bring anybody in their car, men or women. It's been, what, 20? I've never had an issue, so I've never thought about it. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. All right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to actually take a quick pivot and we're going to dive into something that I'm really passionate about because I've seen it explode in the best kind of business for my company. And we're going to talk about gifting and we're going to talk specifically about something that's near and dear to my heart that everyone in this room has been given an assignment. If you don't already have a VIP pyramid established and filled out, Rick was crystal clear that he wanted one by Monday, right? And so for those of you all who have a VIP pyramid already filled out, you're going to know and understand what we're talking about. If you don't, you can go to page 102, and you can see my VIP pyramid. Now, my VIP pyramid is tweaked just a little bit, still conceptually the foundations and the fundamental beliefs of exactly what started with the VIP pyramid. And here's how gifting is broken down. And our gifting program for our VIP pyramid is on page 53. So for us and for our company and for what we want to accomplish, we want to blow our favorite clients' minds every day, right? And what better way to blow their minds by walking them through and celebrating life with them on a consistent basis. So what you'll see on page 53, and this ties directly into our VIP pyramid, you're going to see everything broken down to who, what, when, where, and even why we do everything that we do when it comes to gifting. And as you break that down, let's go over to what. And if you look at what it is, that you're gifting, you're going to give a price point. Now, the core has a beautiful handouts and things that they will share with you all as far as a bunch of different ideas on things from zero to five dollars, five to ten dollars, fifteen dollars, under twenty-five dollars, under fifty dollars, under a hundred. I mean, I'm talking hundreds of ideas. So if you need ideas, they have that information available at the core. So I'm not going to dive in all the different ideas of gifts, but I do want to put a value very intentionally on our VIP pyramid because this is driving the majority of our business. And so if you look at that, the budget's going to depend upon the level that's in the VIP pyramid. So our top 10, which are our channel accounts, these are individuals 
that all refer at least 10 transactions a year, or we believe they can influence to get us to 10 transactions a year. And so on those intimate 10, the gifting programs and the gifts that we give to everyone on that list, no matter where they're at in the process, are going to be somewhere between $50 to $100. Directly below that, directly below that is our top 25 And our top 25, that's the same group. They're just not quite as influential. We're in deep relationship with them. And we're going to be giving gifts $25 to $50. And then on the bottom left-hand corner, we've got our next 25. So those are our future bench players. So we've split our top 50 out into two separate groups. And those are the people that are going to fill the voids in our top 25. And we're going to be doing $15 gifts or close there to $15 gifts. So we have a price point and a budget established, which is super important, guys, because what happens so many times with our gifts? We get excited or we find something super special, and the next thing you know, your $500 or $1,000 gift budget per month turns into like $1,500 or $2,000. Every one of you all in the room are running a business, right? And in order to run a business, every great business has to have a budget, right? This gives you that budget for your gifting program, but in addition, it's going to give you clear direction. So when do we give gifts, right? Super important to celebrate life with these people because we want to blow their minds. We want to absolutely blow their minds because these are all the people that is your future business. I talked to you all about January 1st, not waking up, knowing where your business was coming from, right? Or not knowing where your business was coming from. This is how that happens. So who or when do we do it? First, super simple, we're going to do it every one of their birthdays, right? I give you a budget. I give you a time period. Now you have to delegate that out to someone on your team to execute, all right? Next, we're going to do spouse and kid birthday parties. Super important. Let me just tell you, the client that you work with or that individual that's on your VIP pyramid is important. Man, it's important that you blow their minds when you give their spouse's gifts and you give their children's gifts, right? And how do you give them those gifts, right? All about you forms. You go right back to your all about you forms. Super simple. Next, anniversaries. Anniversaries. For those of them who are married, you want to celebrate their anniversaries, Beautiful little gift packages, right? It has books, wine, their favorite snacks, a date night, whatever it is. Like I said, we've got millions of ideas out there. And if you don't come up with a good idea off the list that you get from the core, you can call us, right? There's tons and tons of ideas there, but gifting is super important. There's a great book that I had my assistant read about two years ago, and it's called Giftology. If you want to step your game up and blow your best client's mind, now keep in mind, on my VIP list, there's only 85 people. And in my world, that's the only people that I'm focused on, me personally, right? And I love it because I can go super deep, super engaged, and I can actually create create tremendous value in their life. But creating value through gifts, is it a situation that you just give them gift cards, or do you make it super personable, Right? So I want to take a minute right now, and I want everyone to share around their table the most personal gift that they've given someone in their life that they would consider a VIP. I want to take a moment 
And I want us to go around and quickly share some of those special, intimate gifts that you've been able to give. Because that's the wow factor. That's the wow factor. So take about two or three minutes, jot down a gift, share it with the table, and then we're going to ask and go around because I want everybody to walk out of here with some great understanding of how to go deep with your clients and blow their mind through gifting. Again, I want three phenomenal, mind-blowing gifts. And anyone can raise their hand. I'm going to call on the first three that I see. Phenomenal, mind-blowing gifts. Holly. And I do know your name, Holly, by the way. I love you for that. <laughs> um, one of the things that, that we do for pets are a big deal for people. So I'll yes. take a custom frames, um, whether it's a horse, believe it or not, or a dog or cats, and we do custom frames. And then I've even gotten, like, paw prints or dog prints from them mm. and made custom frames with them, a picture of the per client with their pets and send it to the office. For those pet lovers in the room, myself being one of those, I get that as a gift. You're my realtor for life, period. Great gift. Over here. I started doing doormats for all my buyers and it says, welcome to the Smiths. So I find out when they're moving in, go there the night before, have the doormat waiting for them, and they're so excited when they get to the house and see, welcome to the Smith. So you That's have really welcome their last name on there, and yep. you actually hand deliver it to their house. No, I put the doormat out. You, that's what before. I'm saying. You have the doormat yep. already laying at their house whenever they're going to move there. Yep, they love that it. That is a wow factor. I do the doormats, but I've never taken it to their house and dropped it off. I love that. One more. One more. Jennifer. We seem to have a whole bunch of clients who are having babies and grandbabies right now. And so we found a source on Etsy where they'll actually put the baby's name on the blanket and it's repeated with a pattern. So it has like a picture of something that ties to like we had a baby forest. So it has like, so we find out what the theme of their nursery is, stalk them on Facebook. It's not that hard. And then they all love it because the blanket has the name. So when it gets left somewhere, everybody knows that that's that baby's blanket. Yes. Very good. Oh, super personal. And when they're having kids, anything with their kid's name on it is beautiful. Guys, for the sake of time, we're going to go ahead and flow through because we've got two other major points. So let's do this. On gifting, I want to just make this crystal clear that blowing your client's mind, your most important client's mind, you need to celebrate life with them. You need to understand the value of giving them big, small gifts, but intimate, personal gifts. I know Kendra is probably one of the best gift givers. I got a bag tag, and every time I get it, I get excited. I use every one that you've ever sent to me. And I will re always remember her for that. Because blowing our clients' mind, wowing them, getting them to understand to always come back to us is exactly what we want to accomplish. And what, what better way to do that than through gifting? I have one person in my office, and now her entire job is gifting. One person. That's how important it is to me. Inspections. All right, so I actually only have two main tactics for this, but I want you to really think about the inspection process. I will tell you that this year and last year, more transactions fell apart during the inspection process than any other. And I think part of that is that we do not program and prepare our clients for the inspection process. So I'm going to give you a tactic for sellers and a tactic for 
for buyers. And this has really, really reduced our issues with inspections. So frankly, I think this is worth the price of a ticket. And I would love to say this was all my ideas, but it was not. So I will tell you that prior to an inspection, we have a very detailed email that we send to our sellers. And it is to prepare them for the inspection. And that email includes things like, you know, making sure the water is turned on and that the gas is running and that the fireplace can be turned on and that you've replaced all the light bulbs because every inspection that says the light fixture isn't working, it's a bulb. Um, but your crawl space, we check their crawl space at list time. I want to find mold. I want to find water in crawl space as well before an inspection. If you're not doing that, that's also something that you should be doing. Um, kitchens, washers and dryers, having their HVAC serviced. Right, I want them to be preset prior to the inspection, right, and that they have to have the access panels accessible, that they have to have all the keys, that if they have a shed or a crawl space that requires a lock, they need to be unlocked, right? So we're very thorough during our process at the beginning, but if you're not really preparing your seller for when it comes time to that home inspection, I think you're kind of doing them a disservice because the inspection comes, it's always the same stuff. If the house is a certain age, we have a roofer come to the house before it's ever listed, right? So pre-inspections is a big service that you can offer to your clients. Um, we don't do full pre-inspections anymore because it was getting way more in-depth than some of the inspectors would be. But we have roofs inspected. We have HVAC systems serviced, right? These are things that we want to make sure are set, and we send an email to the client the week before or 10 days before the inspection. We want to make sure you're as ready as you can be. Now, that's a, this is not you have a leaking ceiling, let's paint it. I'm not hiding an issue, right? I'm just getting ahead of one if it could exist. I'm trying to keep them from happening. You guys have to be the guides of your sellers. They freak out, right? They go nuts. They have to be prepared. The buyers are very picky. The buyers are asking for things that maybe they shouldn't. The cosmetic things shouldn't be included but always are, right? I have to prepare them. That way when I contact them with a list, I can say, guys, we talked about all this. This came up. Here's how we take care of it. We already knew this. We're prepared for this answer. And it just makes this super stressful process so much easier. So for sellers, guide them, prepare them, have them as set as possible. And for buyers, you send a video prior to the inspection. It's my brother. My brother intends all the inspections. He is a CS. I am a DI. I cannot sit through inspections. They make me crazy. Right? Like if I have to hear here one more time the inner workings of a heat pump, I'm going to lose my marbles. But my brother is very patient. So he explains, hey guys, I'm going to be with you at this inspection. It's probably going to take about three hours. And just so you know, they always find something. It's their job. My job and Marjorie's job is to guide you through this. You've already checked out this house. We've heard, we're, you know, a couple concerns we think could come up. We're going to go through that. We're going to go through that report and we're going to guide you through this. So don't freak out, right? And we're going to be clear on you on cost because what happens? It needs a roof. That's $80,000 of seven, right? So we preset everything with them. The expectation isn't they won't find something. The expectation is they will. They're going to find something. We're going to get you through this. So I need you to think, to me, this is the biggest overlooked process. Who's attending that inspection? How prepared is that client? Right? What have you done for your sellers and buyers to get through probably the toughest part? And I promise you, it is absolutely the biggest wow. It doesn't seem like it. You might think, well, that's kind of silly, but it's not. Right? This has saved more sales and actually really cemented buyers and sellers to us 
and really made them feel like we provided the most value through that process. Right? So I just want you to be clear. I'm happy to give you a copy of this email. You can see a copy of the video, the, the concierge has it. But it is huge in terms of getting you to closing. Right? So I'm hoping that helps you with that part of the process. It's not, I don't really have that many more, but those two I think are so important, which is why when Ben and I talked about it, it was like this has to be in this class. Because this could save you guys thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Okay? Catering to your clients, wowing your clients. There's two things out of the four that I shared with you earlier that I think are crucial right here as we finish up the process and getting them to the closing table. Communication and controlling their fear. Now you're down to the final five days. So I'm going to count down the last five days with you. There's going to be a call from our office to the client letting them know five, four, three, two, one, getting them to the closing table and covering all the bases. Number five, you're going to set up final walkthrough appointment. It's a call. It's not an email. It's not a text message. It is a phone call. Control fear. Number four, you're going to have them get established and give them all the phone numbers of all the utility companies so they can have their utilities switched over. It's a phone call. Yes. So you're going to email them the information, but we've already done that at this point, but you're calling to remind them because guess what happens? People forget all the time. Number three, you are going to have on the third day prior to closing, you're going to make sure they know to change their post office box address. To have it forwarded to their new address and letting the post office know and letting all of their credit card companies and their bills and anything that would be mailed on a continuous monthly basis, having those switched over, you're setting a reminder. Keep in mind, we're not telling them anything new. We're reminding them and we're leveling down the fear of overwhelmness at this point. The second day to closing, you are going to go through the HUD with them. Line by line, we go through every one of the settlement statements and every one of the HUD statements with every one of our clients. And you're like, well, why don't your lenders do that? They do. Guess what? We want to hear, we want it to hear and come through us. We want to walk through to make sure that there's no concerns, that those numbers hit dead on, that there's no surprises. That final day, the celebration. You're going to talk to them about their walkthrough prior to closing, and you are going to literally just love on them, and you're going to ask them this question, is there anything that we can help you with? Anything at all? And they're going to be honest with you through this. But you fall and you call with them all the way from that fifth day prior to closing to the day of closing. Each day, one after the other, I'm going to tell you, your clients show up to the closing table and now you get to celebrate with them. And that's how you want to finish off that final, final process with them, right? Because why? You care about them. And you're going to create value. And when you create value, they're going to honor you by creating value in your life. Questions? Yes. Tim. At the back. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, no problem. Marjorie, do you pay for those inspections? I do not. No pay for any of them? Nope. Okay. We do not pay for them because that I was worried about as a liability. Do you like make I it said, mandatory that if they list with you, they have to do certain inspections before they list? So we want to know age of systems. So I want their HVAC service. I want to have a roofer look at their roof. 
right? If I have any concerns if appliance isn't working. So I'm now gone away from full inspection to specific things. Have an HVAC person, have a roofer, have an appliance person, have a plumber, right? Because we were doing full inspections, and it was revealing way more than any other inspectors were finding, and it was really kind of putting us more in a position of over, you know, having to over kind of tell everyone. Guys, our goal today was to take those five areas and give you one great golden nugget in each one of those areas. Is there anyone in this room that didn't get at least one great golden nugget in any one of those areas? Nobody. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. You've been listening to the CORE's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.